0: Hi everyone. Welcome to Brains, Black Holes, and Beyond, a collaboration podcast between Princeton Insights and The Daily Princetonian. From The Prince, my name is Lena Kim. Today's episode focuses on the idea of sleep, an integral yet more often than not overlooked part of most people's everyday schedules, especially here at Princeton. What does our brain actually do when it's asleep? Dr. Elizabeth McDuppet, A postdoctoral researcher at the Princeton Computational Memory Lab likes to picture sleep as the replaying of a playlist of memories and experiences that your brain builds throughout the day when you're awake. How does this affect our daily tasks and information processing throughout the day? If you're studying at the last minute for an exam, is it better to cram it all the night before or just prioritize getting a good night's sleep? Would it be fair to say you essentially have a built-in Spotify in the inner workings of your brain? These are all age-long questions that we dive deeper into with our two wonderful guests, Dr. Elizabeth McDevitt and Dr. Ken Norman, both from the Princeton Computational Memory Lab. Listen in to hear more about their insights on the role of sleep and how it relates to how we learn, remember, and apply the things we experience and see every day. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brains, Black Holes and Beyond, a collaboration podcast between the Princeton Insights newsletter and the Daily Princetonian from The Prince. My name is Lena Kim. So I'm here with two researchers from the um, Computational Memory Lab. So if you could just introduce your names, your positions and um, yeah, what exactly you study.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Elizabeth McDevitt. I'm a postdoctoral researcher in the Computational Memory Lab, which is part of the Princeton Neuroscience Institute.
2: I'm uh, Ken Norman. I'm a professor of psychology and neuroscience and chair of the department of psychology.
0: So I guess we can just go right into the questions. So um, I guess to start off, do you have an analogy to help us and the audience understand your work?
1: Sure. Um, So my work broadly focuses on understanding how um, sleep helps us form our long-term memories. And um, I like to think of sleep as kind of being a really uh, sophisticated and smart filing system that the, that the brain is able to do while we're sleeping. Um, so if you think about how you, know, you might accumulate a lot of paperwork on your desk, and if you want to be able to go back and find pieces of paper when you need them and for them to actually be useful for you, you need to set aside some time to kind of uh, go through and clean that up. And um, you want to revisit each piece of paper, figure out if it's something that you want to keep or if you want to throw it away. And if you want to keep it, then you need to figure out where it belongs amongst all of your other paperwork that's already been filed. So does does it go with your important personal documents? Does it go with your sentimental uh, mementos? Things like that. And so that's kind of what's happening during sleep.
0: And from your research at the Computational Memory Lab, how exactly does sleep affect the process of memory
1: consolidation and information processing? So we know from a lot of studies that something important is happening while we're asleep to support our learning and memory. So for example, we know that if people study something and then sleep, they forget less than if they didn't sleep. And the main thing that we understand to be happening during sleep is something called neural replay or memory reactivation. And this is something that the field as a whole has been really focused on um, understanding, working on for the past like 30 years. So um, this is based on work by many, many people, not just our lab. And the idea is that while we're Sleeping, our brain gets a break from processing all of the information that it's normally taking in while we're awake and instead it can kind of focus on what's already inside our minds and what happens is that the patterns of neural activity um, that were associated with your waking experiences are replayed while we're asleep and so you can think of it kind of like your brain is building a playlist um, of experiences while you're awake and then it loops through and plays that playlist while we're asleep and This is helping strengthen and stabilize and form your long-term memories.
0: And very quick question, follow-up question from that. So we often hear the term or the phrase, make sure to get a good night's sleep before you take an exam. And some people have had mixed reviews of this piece of advice, just because there's the idea of you either just know the information or you don't, and you kind of go into the exam with... Not as much information, but with a good amount of sleep, you know, being able to better actively recall that information versus maybe knowing more information in general, like being able to recognize more terms in general, but not really being able to recall them that well and find out their deeper significance because you haven't had that much sleep. So, I guess that long winded question was to ask which choice do you think would work and better in certain
1: situations? So do you want to stay up cramming or do you want to get a good night's sleep before an exam? Yes, Yes. the age-old question. (laughs) Um, So if you focus on like a long-term goal of you want to take in information that you're, you're learning in class and you want to be able to kind of incorporate that with what you already know about the world and kind of like form these knowledge networks and and hold onto that information over the long term, then you need sleep to do that. Um, That's going to (laughs) be the better option. But you also have to have encoded that information and have that information like actually in your mind to be able to consolidate it while you sleep. So cramming will potentially help you just have some information that you can recall on the test the next day. But it's likely that that information will not stick around for much longer than the exam. And so I think ideally, um, students would be setting aside some time every day to like study a little bit of information and then you can sleep and consolidate and revisit that information the next day and do some more studying. And that overall is gonna be much, much more beneficial. And so I guess, kind of shifting away
0: from that, what question or challenge were you setting out to address when you started
1: this work? So I talked a little bit about, you know, that we know that memories are being replayed and reactivated while we sleep. And we know that this seems to be related to forming our long-term memories, but there's still a lot that we don't know about how that replay is actually changing things in the brain. And so the question that we've been trying to answer in our lab is how are memory representations actually restructured during sleep in a way that is helpful then for retrieving those memories at some point in the future. So we're trying to, you know, kind of figure out how memories are stored in the brain and then how they might be changing across periods of sleep. And so we've been focusing on this idea that memories that are easily confusable with one another We think that these tend to be memory representations that are kind of overlapping in the brain. So when you go to retrieve one of those memories, you might bring the other one to mind as well, and you run the risk of maybe confusing things. And if you wanna kind of resolve that confusion, um, then you actually need to pull those memory representations apart. And so we've been working to try to find evidence that this is something that's actually happening while we sleep.
0: So just to clarify, like to make sure I understand. So basically, I guess the essential question you're trying to study at the moment is in terms of like information retrieval, there are times where, you know, two very similar things or experiences, like trying to distinguish which one is which in terms of information retrieval.
1: Right. So if you have two very similar related items in your memory, and if you want to be able to like retrieve one of those items very clearly without the other one coming to mind and creating what we what we refer to it sometimes as interference then you want to one way that might help this happen is by separating those memories in your brain mm-hmm. um another example that i like to think of is like if you've you know gone through and reorganized something in your house um let's say uh maybe you like switch where the silverware is stored in your kitchen and there's like always this period of time where when you're trying to go get a fork, you open up the wrong drawer because mm-hmm. you've like moved it. And so what you actually need to do, right, is separate representations of fork and that drawer so that when you are looking for a fork, you don't like keep activating that drawer and going to the wrong drawer.
2: Of Not that I know anything about organic chemistry, but I know from when my daughter took the course that you have a lot of compounds that have very similar names, right, but do very different things. And so you can imagine there's a very strong potential for confusing these things, right? And so it's important that... Uh, If you're to properly represent, you know, chemistry in your brain, that you take these things that are on the surface, very similar, but have different sort of functions and keep them separate in your head. I think that what Dr. McDevitt was saying is that when you sleep, right, the idea is that if you learn these confusable things, there might be processes going on in your brain that help pull apart the neural representations of these confusable things so that when you wake up, you're less confused, which would clearly be beneficial.
0: I'm actually I'm taking organic chemistry right now so I (laughs) very much resonate resonate. with that statement yes Um, thank you so much for that yeah because I think it definitely is a nuanced part of like how we learn about certain you know things it's like when students think about studying it's just being able to recognize okay this is has this sort of significance and you know we have to somehow apply this pattern or concept for like this exam but it is important to there are like in not just organic chemistry, I'm sure, but like many of the other fields or subjects studied here. um, It's definitely important to see how sleep, um, which again is kind of very, I don't wanna say like a touchy subject, but definitely something that Princeton students, most of this Princeton students at least um, lack. Um, It's kind of important to know how sleep plays, how important a role sleep plays in these sort of like information processing
2: maybe this is an over-general way of talking about it, but most learning can be reduced to kind of like lumping and splitting, right? So there are things that kind of look similar, but actually have different meanings, right, that you want to pull apart. And there are other things that look different, but actually signify the same thing that you want to push together, right? And, and so like one very simple view of learning is that you're just like, strengthening a concept in your head, but what it really means to know a subject is to know sort of what you should lump together, right, and what you should split apart. So, um, you know, a lot of work on memory consolidation is focused on just this simplistic idea that you have some new thing you learned, you just need to, like, hammer it into your brain, right? But but to learn complicated topic, right, this is when Dr. McDevil was talking about sort of Uh, re-representing things right there's a lot of taking things that you've encountered and and figuring out where they sit relative to each other
0: there's I think definitely a lot of things to be said in terms of like what is really knowing the material across all different subjects but yeah thank you so much for that and then I guess one final question that Dr. McDevin and I were actually just discussing so with Princeton having two weeks less of scheduled classes compared to majority of traditional schools. Um, How do you see this affecting learning processes among students as well as their rest or sleep?
1: So again, from, from a lot of memory research, we know that being able to space out learning is much better than trying to learn a lot at once. So you want there to really be ample opportunities, right? To learn some information, sleep and consolidate it and then go back and revisit it, learn more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So if professors are cramming the same amount of material into fewer class periods, this could amount to more information being presented with fewer opportunities to consolidate it overall between learning sessions, um, which might not be such a great thing. I think the other, you know, thing to think about, and I'm not exactly sure how this affects exam schedules, but if you have a lot of exams that tend to overlap with one another, I could see that leading to, you know, a lot of sleepless nights (laughs) as people are studying for multiple exams at the same time. So again, wanting to kind of try to prioritize um, sleep as much as possible, trying to break up that studying um, across days and, and giving lots of time to consolidate would be
0: there's anything else that you both would like to add before we end off? or want it...
1: to yeah, talk about naps? Yeah, um, so we actually use naps kind of as like our experimental tool in the lab. So when we're running sleep experiments here, we have people, you know, learn something in the morning and then we actually have them take a nap in the lab and then test their memory in the evening after the nap. So naps uh, are this brief amount of sleep in the middle of the day, but can actually help um, boost memory, boost consolidation, um, things like that. So if students aren't getting enough sleep at night and feeling like they need a little pick-me-up in the middle of the day, napping is definitely an option. And I guess my napping recommendation would be just try to do it earlier in the day rather than later um, so that the nap doesn't disrupt your night's sleep the upcoming night.
0: I, I also heard something about how, like, if you drink coffee right before a nap and then maybe take, like, a 15 to 20-minute nap, then you'll feel even better. or I don't know if there's, like, research to back
1: there, <laughs> Yeah, the but. caffeine nap. um So the yes. idea is that you drink a cup of coffee and then you try to fall asleep before the caffeine has really taken effect. And then about, you nap for 20 minutes, so when you wake up 20 minutes later, now the caffeine has taken effect and you you wake up and you feel great because you've just napped and now have caffeine in your system. So that does work, but I wouldn't recommend it as a constant thing. Again, um, if you are consuming caffeine, you want to try to keep that caffeine consumption earlier in the day. So try to cut off caffeine like before noon. And you know, you can get a lot of, of energy boost and, and these benefits just from the nap alone. So you don't really need the caffeine I'm on top of it um, so if you're just looking for like a quick pick-me-up a great you know uh, a 10 or 15 minute nap is great try to keep it under 20 minutes I would say um, and then you want to avoid um, a nap that's between 20 to 60 minutes. If you take a nap that's like 45 minutes, you're going to wake up out of your deep sleep and you're going to feel really groggy and kind of sluggish and have high amounts of what we call sleep inertia, which is like that feeling of grogginess. So avoid a 20 to 60 minute nap. So either go for less than 20 minutes or between 60 to 90 minutes will get you a full sleep cycle, which can also feel good.
0: Thank you so much again. Um, And yeah, thank you so much. This episode of Brains, Black Holes, and Beyond was hosted by me, sound engineered by Laura Sobrosa and Senal Dubash, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of The Prince. To learn more about the research Dr. McDevitt and Dr. Norman do, visit the links in the description. From The Prince, my name is Lena Kim. Have a wonderful day.